You are Locked On Suns, your daily Phoenix Suns podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We are back. This is Locked On Phoenix Suns. I am your host, Brendan Clean. I cover the Suns and the NBA at SB Nation, as well as Dime Magazine. Some of you are seeing my face for the first time in a while. Did this during the finals over at the Locked On NBA YouTube page. Here now on our own Locked On Suns YouTube page. A long time coming. I'm sure many of you have heard me talk about this. Um, Big, big motivation on the part of our company and, you know, hat tip to, to Doug Branson and, and everybody over at Locked On who has helped us get here, rolling it out little by little. The Locked On Cardinals folks have already got theirs, and now I'm lucky enough to have a YouTube channel as well. So you'll be hearing me incessantly telling you folks to hop on board, watch my whatever you you can come up with the adjective for what my face is, but watch me, watch me do the show We're going to be pushing YouTube pretty hard, finding new folks, new Suns fans all over the place, so I could not be more excited. But we have a lot to talk about today as well, and I wanted to quickly remind everybody that today's show is brought to you by Rock Auto. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, and all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them Locked On sent you. Okay, again, a lot to get to. Number one day on YouTube and free agency week is the perfect time for it. We got we, we, we got a, a signing today, so we're going to start there. Frank Kaminsky and what that means for this team, returning on a one-year minimum, seemingly minimum, we can assume, contract. We have some news about um, Andre Godala moving on from whatever pipe dreams we had about him potentially coming to the Suns. He has narrowed his teams down to three per Sham Sharania. Ball Millsap. And LaMarcus Aldridge, who I dedicated a large part of yesterday's show to, apparently reportedly not options per John Gambadoro over at Arizona Sports. So I'll talk a little bit about those guys not being options for the Suns anymore. And then to close out the show with Friday, when most of you folks would be listening and hearing um, and, and watching this being the final for men's basketball at the Olympics, Team USA, our boy Devin Booker has been out there making Suns fans proud, starting these games. So I just wanted to, to kind of give my thoughts on what that experience might mean for him and not only his game and, and his ability to, to get better, but you know his reputation and the Suns' reputation around the NBA. So we'll close out the show there, get you ready for the final, the gold medal game between France and uh, the United States coming up later tonight. So that's a busy show. As I said, let's get to it though. Frank Kaminsky reportedly headed back to the Suns on a one-year contract, seemingly guaranteed, although we'll see. We'll see You know what the terms end up exactly being. I, I do want to hold out hope. Last year, we saw Damian Jones get signed and a similar level of, of surprise from a lot of us, and it was non-guaranteed. And then Kaminsky, similar situation, training camp deal over in Sacramento. The Suns bring him back because they do not guarantee Jones's deal. So a lot of these things can be fluid and and get clarified as we go. What I thought, though, when I was looking at the Kaminsky signing, and and those of you who have uh, listened to this show for a long time know I'm not the biggest Frank Kaminsky fan. I I wasn't 
two years ago when he had to spend a lot of time filling in for DeAndre Ayton during the suspension. I wasn't this past season when Frank Kaminsky was starting games at the four and, and puzzlingly getting a ton of minutes. I just, it's not that I don't think he fits here. I think he's a great locker room guy. Having him on the roster is no issue, but it's as a player. And I think it was borne out during the finals, especially Kaminsky just did not have a space on the floor, did not have a space in the rotation because defensively, I just, his, his limitations in terms of mobility, athleticism, shot, uh, rim protection, shot blocking, and even rebounding, he just isn't a good option in playoff series where teams are, are playing from a perimeter style and having switchable pieces, interchangeable pieces. Kaminsky's just not a player who excels in that type of a situation. And so that all, that all said, that was in my mind. But what I really was thinking about when I was looking at Frank Kaminsky when it came down the pike that he was going to be back is Monty Williams's quote at the end of the NBA Finals. Um, we obviously saw Kaminsky get some run in Game 6 of the Finals after Dario Saric's ACL tear. Torrey Craig had a little bit of an inconsistent series, and Monty goes to Frank Kaminsky. Kaminsky not only survives, is able to check uh, give some, you know, check, I guess, Brooke Lopez, whoever you want to say, but most importantly, give DeAndre Ayton some rest. And we saw a little bit of a fresher Ayton at times, especially on the glass. It worked. It worked well. And after the game, Monty Williams says he's going to regret it all summer that he did not go back to Frank sooner than he did. And so if you're looking at it from that perspective, I don't know how much of a surprise it can necessarily be to us that the Suns would look to re-sign Frank Kaminsky. And so, again, I think with the, the acquisition of JaVale McGee and the strides that DeAndre Ayton made, the fact that we know Monty's not afraid to play DeAndre Ayton a lot of minutes and that DA can handle that heavy minutes load, there's not a lot of space for Kaminsky in the rotation, right? We don't know what the rest of the forward minute situation will shape up to be, but you have Jay Crowder, Cam Johnson should have a healthier season, and James Jones has already told us that Jalen Smith figures to be part of the mix at the very least. So all of that combined, I do think Kaminsky's signing here probably for a minimum, potentially non-guaranteed, but even if it's guaranteed, will not figure into the rotation very much. It's nice to have him. He knows the system. He knows these guys in this locker room. He's beloved by all of his teammates. Nothing about that is an issue to have him around. And if there are injuries and whatnot, he's a fine regular season player. And I think he can step in and contribute because of that knowledge and chemistry and history here. So it's not bad, but I think you want to make it so that you, even if Monty regrets all summer that he did not go back to Frank, you also don't want to have to go back to Frank. Because look, even if Monty regrets that, reality is Dario Sharge doesn't get hurt. The Suns find a center last offseason instead of Damian Jones. Kaminsky's never even here. The Suns know that's not a player you want to be counting on in huge moments. You don't want him playing a ton of minutes every night being a you-need-him-to-succeed-if-you're-going-to-win games type of role. He's not in that right now, doesn't figure to be in that, and in that case, I don't have much of an issue. Let's get on to the potentially bigger news of who is not Headed to the Suns. Some more new nuggets courtesy of John Gambadoro. We'll do that right after a quick break. All right. 
video audience. I did not go anywhere. Podcast audience, I am back with you. We're going to get through some of what Gambo let us know today. And Suns fans know he, this time of year, is one of the only reliable guys that, that has info from the Suns front office. He said yesterday on the radio that he was going to go ahead and find out whether LaMarcus Aldridge might be an option. So we'll start there. It's a no. Apparently, reportedly, Gambo says highly unlikely. He was responding to a lot of fans in his mentions who were understandably pretty excited for Paul Millsap. Hopefully I didn't contribute to that. For those of you who listened to yesterday's show, I very much said that I um, wanted Paul Millsap, wanted LaMarcus Aldridge, and both of them seemed to be a no. So Aldridge was just a tweet. Millsap Gambo was responding to a ton of people in his mentions saying that they might want him. The guys are, are pretty similar players, right? They're going to be mo- mostly fives at this point because they're a little older. Not much of the athleticism that they might have had earlier on. Not much of the go-to scoring they might have had, but able to get you buckets inside, stretch the floor a little bit for you, and at least play capable positional defense. Millsap a little better with his toughness. I think both of those guys, just judging from the fact that you have McGee, you have Kaminsky now, those are two different sorts of options that I think would have made sense, similar to some of what Torrey Craig gave you, some of what Dario Saric gave you, just continuing to be versatile, have different types of lineups to throw out there. I'm building toward eventually going to do an episode, probably with a guest, where I bring somebody on to talk through how the Suns fared, where do they stack up now, because while I think they're going to be a great regular season team, you you see them losing out on some of these guys, and I think it's reasonable to worry of how flexible are they going to be. Can they be four completely different types of basketball teams in the playoffs in order to win a title? Millsap, Aldridge, these are guys that help you do that. And so the Suns not being in on them obviously draws some extra attention toward what is it that they are going to do. Who do they find? Is that a priority to them to have that flexibility? Or are they potentially, you know, going to be more settled toward the familiar Kaminsky Aiton a lot of the guys we've already seen around here and of course McGee but that's very much the Aiton type of role maybe that's where they go maybe they're counting on some more of the you know Shamit edition Jalen Smith potentially playing more to be sort of the new blood and the rest just the guys getting better together in year two as a as a core and there's nothing wrong with that but I do think that would have been an interesting wrinkle to their rotation Brings us to another guy they won't get, and then I will talk to you about some of the remaining folks that Gambo did say will be available and what I think about those folks as well. Um, And maybe some other wild cards, because I don't want to just rip off Gambo's reporting and and then give it to you here on the podcast. But another one that I was very disappointed by, this time via Sham Sharania, was Andre Gudala. Now, not a big man necessarily in terms of post-defender you know, role man and, and the pick and roll type of guy. He would not be playing the eight and roll by any means, but similar in that he has size and is a body that you could throw at a Giannis Antetokounmpo, for instance, a LeBron James, right? And so he apparently is down to the Warriors, the Lakers, and I'm forgetting the third team. It's not the Suns. And I'm not as bummed. I think, honestly, Millsap was probably number one on my list. But we saw the value that Torrey Craig had, and I don't think it's crazy to think that Iguodala would have slid right into that role. We saw on Twitter he's 
pumping up his buddy Mikhail Bridges, talking about how he could be Scottie Pippen, and he knows that his offensive game is coming along, and I'm sure Suns fans were drooling seeing that, and for good reason, and I think that made people maybe a little more excited about Iguodala. He also is a pretty good playmaker. He's somebody who can move the ball, who can operate almost as a point guard in certain situations for you, and that helps. The Suns want guys who can make quick decisions with the basketball, and Iguodala would have done that. So again, unlikely that he will end up here now. He to me, I would bank on him going back to the Warriors. I think he's wanted. he never wanted to leave. He left because things got weird financially. He wanted to get paid. He ended up being a byproduct of KD leaving. They sent Iguodala to Memphis, if you guys remember, and then he ends up sitting out the whole season, getting traded in Miami, getting this extension. Then they decline the option. That's why he's a free agent now. I expect he just wants to go back to Golden State where he's comfortable. He's a tech guy. He's investing in all these companies. That seems the most likely, and if he can take a small amount of money, then they can fit him in. Lastly, a couple of folks that I do think that they might actually have a chance at in terms of Suns targets here. We had Isaiah Hartenstein. That was part of the initial report from Gambo a few days ago about um, Millsap, that the Suns were targeting both of those guys. I'll get to Hartenstein in a second. The other one, though, is Alfred Payton who apparently the Suns not only are interested in per Gambo, but have an offer out too. And that is very surprising to me. Um, We all remember the Alfred Payton experience. Very, very productive in terms of, I think he had more than one triple-double while he was a Sun for the half season that he was a Sun. But despite how badly this roster needed a point guard, he wasn't somebody that the front office thought made sense. And that was even before the changeover from Ryan McDonough. Even McDonough was able to identify this is not it for us. And so he's come a little bit of a way since then. I don't think he's quite the, uh, frankly, he was a losing player. He was coming off of a situation in Orlando and, and had never really proven himself to be a guy who contributed to winning by doing things on offense that made his teammates better or defending at a high level. And I don't think he's still quite at either of those levels, but he's improved in both capacities. I think to, to play, I just judge it as to survive with Tom Thibodeau, you have to be able to play some level of defense. Now Peyton lost minutes to quickly and rose over the course of the season last year, but he's still a guy who could come in and he's going to survive. And remember, this is like the fourth guard spot for the Suns. What worries me a little bit is every guy that the Suns brought in last year, even each one more in Langston Galloway, who who didn't play much, they all could shoot. And and Alfred Payton's a much worse shooter than any of those players. That's why I think it's a little bit surprising. But we also know the Suns do like to, again, with the, similar to Iguodala, again, not a shooter, not somebody who was going to space the floor, but you have to be able to do one or the other. Ricky Rubio was less of a shooter, but he could move the ball. He could initiate the offense. He could keep the ball moving that type of thing. So I think it, it, it's sort of one or the other, ideally both. But again, for a fourth guard, the ability to move the ball, play smart offense, rebound for his position, and at least hold up defensively with solid size for the point guard spot. Like, it's you could do worse. It's a little bit of a surprise that they would go in that direction, but they did get Landry Shamit, who does solve a lot of that shooting. So not it wouldn't be my least favorite thing. I, I would feel pretty similar to Kaminsky. You could trust Peyton to get in there in some of these regular situ- season situations. Maybe Chris Paul misses some time next season. Maybe he eventually acquiesces to resting a little bit, and you can get Alfred Payton out there, and you're not going to worry too much that you're in a bad spot. But 
I think they could do better. We'll see what happens. We'll see how much he plays. It's a veteran, too. And I do think having an each one more, an Alfred Payton, that does help you. Remember Moore stepping in in Cleveland and scoring 30-something points, if I'm remembering correctly, to help them win a game that was way closer than it should have been when Chris Ball was out. So it can really help you in those regular season moments just to have depth of playable, reasonable NBA guys. So I could talk myself into that one. I don't think it's going to kill me by any means. Isaiah Hardenstein is a little interesting. I mean, on the one hand, he is a young player. So in that regard, I'm looking up how old he is. Um, You like it. It's a little bit of a bet. I mean, I think optimistically, it's sort of what the Suns maybe thought they were going to be able to do with Damian Jones, right? It's like, let's get a younger option in here. Somebody who can we who we can get on the cheap and and maybe we can trust to get better. And Hartenstein seems old because he's been in the league since 2017, but he's only 23. He just turned 23 despite this being his fourth NBA season. So he came into the league very young. He does have a floor spacing element. He was able to, let's see, he shot 24% on 17 total attempts in his career. I'm looking up those numbers as we speak, as you can tell, but He's a guy that was billed as a floor spacer. He's comfortable out on the perimeter, running some of the dribble handoff stuff, running some pick and pop stuff, making decisions. He he can move the ball a little bit, had 55 assists last season to just 44 turnovers. That's that's pretty solid. When he got to Cleveland, he was 16, uh, 18 minutes a game, three assists a game. Like that That's sort of what his game is. I don't hate it either. Again, it's with Kaminsky in there now. It's a little bit more in that mold of a Sharich Kaminsky type, a, a connector, a floor spacer type of player at that big spot. And at 23, it's a, it's nice upside. It's better than Kaminsky. We already know what Kaminsky is. Potentially, Hartenstein could get a little bit better. Also a pretty good shot blocker. I just, I don't hate it. I think as your fourth big, as your fifth big, depending on what he would end up being, um, you could do a lot worse. And and the upside to get better is, is really nice. So it seems like we might have been pretty excited about the... Millsap, Aldridge, Iguodala, these types of players, Patty Mills. The Suns are, are clearly not shooting as high. They're not trying to get in these bidding wars. They're not trying to ruffle, shake up the roster too, too much. Time will tell if that's the right thing. I do think that this the idea of internal improvement makes a lot of sense. I, I think they're going to be a great regular season team. I just would have loved a little bit more flexibility come postseason time to have some more dynamic options. There are still guys like Dennis Schroeder and Reggie Jackson out there on the market. I would say the best bet is those teams return to their current squads or end up on really bad teams. It seems like sort of that middle, those teams have spent their money. The teams who wanted to get out there and spend have already done so. Dallas, New York, these types of of teams went out and did what they wanted to do already. So I would expect Schroeder probably goes back to L.A., maybe ends up in a place like Oklahoma City again, Detroit. Who knows? Similar with... Um, Reggie Jackson, probably going to go back to the Clippers would be my guess and then test the market again next season. If the Suns wanted to go big game hunting, I think those players would both be excellent on the cheap. Why not? It's not my money. Spend the rest of the mid-level exception. Spend the biennial exception. Get talent onto this team. I'm always rooting for that. We'll see what comes of it. It seems like the Suns might be winding down rather than winding up in terms of excitement level, but we'll have to see. I'm not going to root anything out yet. Um, but that's that's the latest on the free agency stuff. We'll get to Team USA, my thoughts on what Devin Booker might earn and get and benefit from when it comes to the experience over in Tokyo. But first, a very exciting message. Look, the show is full of these today from Bilt Bar. 
which coincidentally is the sponsor of uh, the official partner rather of Team USA Track and Field. So we're talking about Devin Booker here in the next segment, but the track and field folks, athletics, as you uh, might call it if you're fancy, um, Bilt Bar's got those guys covered. It's not only the official partner. I also, we had a meeting with the Bilt Bar guy for what I'm about to tell you in a second, but we found out it's not just that they're a partner and they put these you know logos on each other's stuff and, and all the corporate nonsense. It is also, more specifically, better yet, aside from me just telling you that, they walk the walk. This is the only protein bar that U.S. track and field athletes can eat as part of their actual official approved regimen, diet regimen. Pretty ridiculous. That is how good Bilt Bars are for you. They are the best for you. Candy bar is actually a better way to think about it than anything related to a protein bar. You put one of these in your mouth and you are in heaven. And the great news that I've been teasing for a couple moments already is that they are coming to the valley. Very, very shortly, in just a matter of weeks, Built Bar will be creating a distribution center here, having a presence here. They'll be at events. They will be in your life. They will be on billboards. You can feel proud. I've been telling you about Built Bars forever, and they are coming to be part of the Phoenix community. I could not be more excited because it means you get them faster, and it means that I can uh, finally have more people try the delicious product I've been telling you guys about forever. But you already know about it because you've been listening to this show forever. So... Let's uh, go to built.com, try your favorite, try one of the new summer flavors like strawberry or orange, whatever seems to strike your fancy this time. And when you make your purchase, use the promo code LOCK15 to get 15% off that order. That's promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at built.com. All right, let's close out the show with some thoughts uh, on Devin Booker's participation at the Tokyo Olympics for the men's basketball team. And it was a late... I guess not a late addition, but somebody where I wasn't sure what role he was going to play because physically he got there late. He was added to the team in the same time frame that everyone else was, not a JaVale McGee type of uh, fill-in, but I wasn't sure what type of role he would be able to play. I mean, coming from the finals, long, long series of four in a row. I mean, it was six games, four games, six games, six games for the Suns. That's that's a lot of miles on you, and we didn't see much of an offseason last year, so... It would have been understandable if everybody from the finals would have taken it a little easy. That's not what happened. Um, Both Drew Holiday and Devin Booker, instrumental pieces for this group now. Because, frankly, I mean, we'll set the Drew Holiday part aside. I don't think anyone wants to hear me tell you about Drew Holiday after the finals. But Booker, it's exactly what we all could have assumed would happen. This guy knows how to play basketball the right way. He gets to a place... With Greg Popovich, with all of these superstars, and you ask him, hey, make the right play, take spot-up threes, guard your man, we know Devin Booker has no problem doing any of that stuff. He's not going to have the ego to say no or push back or be unhappy the way that some might be. And so it doesn't surprise me at all that he has succeeded, that he's found his way into this starting lineup. Frankly, they're, they're really coming into a, a nice rhythm, and I think it's a lot to do with Booker and with Holiday coming in and just buying in and, and filling a role, doing their part. This team was low on those types of guys between you know players who maybe don't have the defensive acumen to actually be able to do that, players who are very shoot-first and not necessarily great playmakers, you know, people with lower basketball IQ. There's, there's just different types of guys that wasn't fitting. Booker comes in, and it makes sense. So all of that leads me to say we're not surprised about how he played. What the benefit is to me, what I'm really excited about, is a couple of things. One, 
the networking, if you can call it that. We already know JaVale McGee is added to this team, probably not insignificantly as a result of the connection he may have formed with Devin Booker, um, at least having conversations and feeling like, yeah, this is a guy I would want to play with. And, you know, future, right? I mean, we don't know. I'm never going to root out the possibility that the Suns could go ahead and find somebody that they're going to be in these trade types of conversations going forward, not Bradley Beal or Damian Lillard immediately, Ben Simmons now, but maybe two years from now. Maybe things, you know, end with Chris Paul. You're having to look for what's next. And having a guy in Devin Booker who's well-respected does not hurt in those moments. Somebody who is well-connected, in addition to being well-respected, has had these moments with the great players around the NBA. And you can look at him and say, hey, let's go ahead and team up. So I'm not going to make names or, or pick guys that I think that's going to happen with. That's that's clearly not um, what anybody, and no one can speak to that. Nobody knows at this time what that looks like, but it doesn't hurt, right? More importantly than anything, though, to close out here, is Booker is a player who Team USA has always been one of the standout opportunities and moments for him as a great player in this league, as somebody who's had to earn respect the hard way, because he came up in a franchise that was very, very downtrodden, that had not won, that that had nothing to be excited about externally. Looking at the Suns, there was nothing aside from Booker to really care about, right? From a Kevin Durant or a Paul George, these guys who very vocally and, and, and aggressively praised Booker that was it. And so to, to get that was very huge, but it'll be even more important going forward because yes, the networking and, and some of these concocted hatched plans that, that players come up with, we know those stories and, and I do believe them, but it's it's not like you're counting on that. What you can count on is A, you've done the winning part, right? This, this franchise has turned around its image from a respectability standpoint by going out in the bubble and doing what they did by making the finals, by getting Chris Paul to come here and buy in and want to play here and resign. All these things are moving in the right direction. We know the facility and the renovations and all that stuff. But to continue to go out and represent the franchise, I think that is still something that needs to, it never stops. That job never stops. You need promoters. You need I mean, it's it's fans. It's 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 you guys listening and watching as well. But it's also Devin Booker going out and representing this team to other players around the league to say, I came from this. I'm a great player. You respect me. You admire what I'm able to accomplish. That's where I'm from. That's what happens there. Right. The Suns are a place you can go to get like me. Right. I mean, not that. Zach Levine or any of these guys are looking up to Booker and I, I want to be you. But like, it's it's so far from the perception that this franchise had then back when Booker was drafted, when he first started going to the select camps and warm, you know, trainings and, and working out with superstars and, and on and on and on. It matters. It matters. It doesn't just matter for let's get traded to the same team and the big three heat and, and all of these stories. It matters for the everyday representation of this franchise with how much things move in the NBA right now you can't ignore the ability to go out and say this is a place players want to play where players can get better where players win and where players are comfortable that job never ends it's a job of James Jones it's a job of Monty Williams again it's a job of you folks listening who spread the good gospel of this Suns team if you care about it but it especially is 
incumbent on the best players, if they believe it at their core, which I think we all agree Devin Booker does, to go out there and say it. And so best believe that's happening, even if it's not vocal, even if it's not conscious on Booker's part, it's happening by the way he's representing himself, the impact he's having on that group, and the fact that it's on the biggest stage that there possibly could be. All right, guys, that closes us out. Enjoy your weekend. I'll be back here on YouTube, on audio, wherever you listen to podcasts going forward. We're not stopping anytime soon. We're going daily. Training camp, as crazy as it sounds, is about seven weeks away. So we're going to test this YouTube thing out. We're going to see what we can do with it. And uh, I'm going daily throughout the rest of the offseason. So no need to worry. No need to go anywhere. If you're just finding me, go ahead and subscribe down below on YouTube or, of course, on whatever podcast platform you're on. Enjoy your weekend. We'll be talking Summer League next week. Should be fun.